So I have a really clever sermon title today, and you're, get ready for this, okay? All right, it's called Jesus, 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 okay? There it is, just his name five times. Um, we're in the last week of our sermon series that's called The Spirit Realm, okay? If you've been around for the past month or so in person, or if you've been watching online, you'll see that God has been doing some things in the life of Unison with regards to the spirit realm. We're growing and going so quickly and responsibly in my mind. Um, both stirring up gifts for people in our congregation as well as leading uh, some of us to deeper trust of him when there's things we know, that's, we know about in our lives that scripture seems unclear on. I'm in that second camp for what it's worth. Um, and put simply, that's what faith is, right? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we don't see. Based on all we've talked about in this series, I hope you come away with some assurance that God has won the victory and gives us a measure of his victory and authority in this life. So today will be the last formal sermon from Unison on this topic, but this is very nearly the beginning of our learning, exercising, and practicing as a church family as it relates to the unseen part of God's realm, the unseen part of God's creation in spiritual warfare. So we've seen this picture each week, right? This comes from a teacher of mine at school, and it depicts what the biblical authors thought of when they used words like God, angels, demons. Yahweh is his name. Elohim is what he is, right? So uh, each group operates in and normally takes up the realm where they're depicted here, normally, right? Normally. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But we've put this other slide up too, that the purpose for our engaging with this teaching, for stirring up this stuff that maybe doesn't have to be stirred up, is that we can come away with a shared understanding, a shared language, and a shared experience for what to expect in spiritual warfare in our lives today, that we might be of one accord. Uh, This is not in the sense of uh, so that we get our money's worth of all the things that God has created us to experience, not like that, but rather being open to whatever work God wants to do in our lives or through you to to those who he's called you to serve or who he's called you to share to when you hear a message from the Lord and neither of you know what it means really and you do it anyway. Uh, Thanks for doing that when you do that, seriously. So with all that said, what's next? Right? As I thought about what this sermon series needed to end on, I kept coming back to Jesus. And uh, I don't know if someone else, who picked the songs or how that works, but I trust the Holy Spirit directed us on that because that was a really good song to end with. It's Jesus, we love you. Just so simple. doesn't need to be more complicated than that. To put together the last phase of the beginning of our mutual experience in the unseen realm, all I can say is Jesus. Today, I want to tell you how great Jesus is, and I want to highlight uh, just another area of his teaching. Our main passage for today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. It's just three verses, but it is packed. It is packed. So we're basically going to unpack it, talk about why it matters for this sermon series, and then um, we'll kind of wrap up the series towards the end. So this Uh, passage is probably like an early Christian hymn, so like one of their original worship songs that they would have written for when they gathered together, 
that they'd sing and think about kind of a, like a mantra, a praise thing to give to Jesus, right? We're going to take a deep dive into these three verses. Ultimately, the point of this passage is this. The Son is supreme in creation. The Son, I'll read the verses now. Colossians 1, verse 15 through 17. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I was reading from the NIV. So we'll start phrase by phrase, and we'll talk about what it means, right? The Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the exact visible representation of God in this world, right? There's nothing that God the Father is up to that Jesus the Son isn't also part of. That feels weird to say because, duh, like the Trinity is pretty much required for Christian faith. But I mean works of God and the spirits that God might send or that other spirits that come about, which Scripture says God sends spirits to people, right? Whether they're good or bad. I don't understand those verses either. But it happened, right? That and spirits we find ourselves entangled with for whatever reasons. The Father knows it. And Jesus, being the exact representation of the Father, knows it. And further, we're promised an advocate, right, with the Holy Spirit, uh, who can pray on our behalf and remind us of Jesus' teachings right in the moment of trouble. Right in the moment of trouble, we're given what we need to get through it. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Jesus takes precedence over all others who think they can claim David's throne. Right, this specific word, firstborn, is used in prophecies throughout the Old Testament, but has to do with priority for inheritance or kingship. The firstborn would get the larger share of what the parents have to give, or the firstborn has rights to the throne that the rest of the kids get in line. Jesus is the one who inherits all creation. Right? Jesus is the one who inherits all creation. And this leads us to the next thing, uh, Jesus is the creator of all things, right? By this wording, the author means to say that everything that is, is because of Jesus. All the realms and the eyes to both see and to not see, and the brain to both comprehend and not comprehend, and the hands to both feel and not feel, all of it is because of Jesus. Everything close, everything far, whether it's this wood thing I'm touching right now or some black hole out there, far away. Everything is because of him. His being contained all the creative power and the potential for everything that is. Here's our direct contact for the series, right? The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Colossians, highlights four distinct words or categories for expressing just how involved Christ is in the creation of all things. Aside from all the other things that he's created, right, this wood thing and black holes and, you know, everything. These things also fall under the lordship and supremacy of Jesus Christ. So next we're going to look at those four uh, thrones, powers, rulers, and authorities, right? So the thrones and powers or dominions, this is a special class of supernatural beings that have a kingdom-like authority and power in the world, right? That's the kind of the, the big ask of the first sermon was in the series was that you 
believe that's a thing for a minute and see where we go. Well, Jesus is supreme over the thrones and the dominions. Whether they use God's will or someone else's will, and it can be snatched in an instant. It's not even an arm wrestle, right? It's not an arm wrestle, like we remember from last week. These beings exist and have power. And quick side note, if this is what finally convinces you of what we've been laying out in this sermon series, that's okay. Um, It's right in the dictionary. Like Paul and the other New Testament writers believed in this hierarchy of angelic and demonic beings that went around in the world doing things for and to people. Enough people agreed that it's in the dictionary. And that was what convinced me in the first place, okay? I was taught in an unbalanced way to trust my feelings, and then I pulled back from that, and then I didn't know where to land, and so I was like, all right, we'll just, we'll just stop thinking about feelings, and we'll just see, what does it say? Like, what's in the dictionary? And it, enough people agree that it's in there, so that's where I started, and I'd, I'll say it's getting better, of course. Um, but that's where I started, and that's okay. The other two words are the rulers and authorities here, so the rulers and the powers or the authorities. This is the entire hierarchical structure itself. And every ruler or office holder in the spiritual realm was made by him. Nothing exists that wasn't made by him. So if you're worried or stressed or find yourself alone, nothing exists that wasn't made by him. That's just, that's the only thing I need you to take today. Nothing exists that was not made by him. He knows them inside and out, knows their tactics and desires, just the same way he knows the hairs on your head. He knows the way their wings shaped or, you know, the way that their sword turns or, I don't know. He knows everything that there is to know about everything, okay? (laughs) Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus is the goal of all things, right? We can move to that next verse, 16. We have the whole universe in an ongoing relationship with Christ. Right? Existence depends on him. And so he has something to say to everything that happens to Nothing happens without God seeing, without Christ being present at its beginning, middle, and end. We can move on to verse 17 now, right? Jesus is the one before everything. He is before all things. Jesus has no rival for lordship of the universe. And God was pleased to do all his creating work through the person Jesus who was with God at the beginning. This kind of calls back to the inheritance thing, the priority thing. Jesus was before it. And then we have that last phrase, in him all things hold together. Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Christ maintains what he has created in order, stability, and productivity. In him all things hold together. They stay the way God set them to be so that flowers grow and bloom and water cycles happen And the earth keeps spinning and our galaxy doesn't meaninglessly hit into another galaxy. Everything is set on its course by the one who made it, the one who cares about it, the one who loves it. Christ is the source of unity and cohesiveness for the whole universe. Amen. Amen. I grew up reading uh, the New King James Version, and it's worded really differently, and we can't get into too much. But at that, that phrase says, in him all things consist. That's what the New King James Version has. And I grew up reading that. And that, so much is packed into that one word, consist. In him all things are held together. They have their meaning. They have their being. 
They have their, what everyone thinks about them, their reputation. In him, all things don't fly apart because he's holding on to them. And we're not different. We don't fly apart because he's holding on to us. We consist because he's holding us. So uh, what was the point, really? I kind of did a really deep dive that was kind of maybe too theological, right? Uh, But the point was that in these three short verses in Colossians is that all this stuff is true about Jesus, and he loves you. The, The God of the universe loves that is the biggest move that could possibly happen in, the, in terms of the, like my thinking about who God is and what the world is. And the God of the universe, the one who made everything, who was smart enough and strong enough to say star, and there was stars, that one loves you. That's just cool. I like that. <laughs> Jesus comes to your defense, Right? He came to earth as a man to reconcile us back to God and inaugurate his kingdom on earth. He comes to your defense too, and he's more than capable to block the uh, attacks of the enemy or other parties, right? So if you had any question, if you are on Jesus's side, right, don't say if you have Jesus on your side because your side could be not God's side, right? So if you're on Jesus's side, there is nothing there is nothing that can touch you. I want to quantify that because some of you might take what I said and go start demon hunting, right? This is what we've been saying this whole series is don't do this alone. Don't do this. This is not something to play with. This is set up in terms of community, right? Nothing can harm you eternally. Nothing can harm you past the saving knowledge or past the saving that Christ did for you, right? Jesus can come to your defense. So take a step back with me and look over all of our series, right? Maybe you were here for every week, and all these sermons had so much going on in them, but I'm going to give them one sentence to kind of put a thread through them, right? So if you got something else out of the sermon, great. That's what you needed, you know? And this was how I planned today, right? All right, our first week, Yahweh is the God of gods, right? Jesus broke the rules of engagement, with regards to the realm distinction. That picture at the beginning, Jesus being God, stepped into humanity. He became a man. He showed his transfigured self to his disciples on uh, one of the mountains in the Gospels. And he went down into the realm of the dead when, uh, in between the crucifixion and the resurrection. Jesus broke all of the rules. All of the rules. Our second week was about angels and demons, right? De- uh, they act out and exist, the, or they exist and act out their own wills, but Jesus is better, higher, and more powerful than the angels. The entire book of Hebrews um, argues that Jesus is better than whatever was before. And there's a part in there where he's talk, uh, the author talks about Jesus being better than the angels. And our discussion today kind of leads us to think that too. Jesus created everything that is, right? It's no contest between Jesus and the spiritual powers which he created. Our third week focused on uh, the perception of the spirit realm and how it should be sorted out with the Holy Spirit and community. 
Okay, you can hear and trust the voice of God when he speaks, if you're his child. And no matter how that voice comes out. Jesus chose to set up his presence in the world through the church. Right? Our fourth week, that was last week, God's will without God's way is not God's way. Right? Or is not our way. I said, it, was, it sounded really cool. God's will without God's way is not our way. Okay? We don't step out of the fruit of the Spirit for spiritual warfare or anything else. Jesus' teachings contain everything necessary for us to learn God's ways of operating in this world. And now today, with our fifth week, Jesus is over everything in power and authority. And here is the last thing for us, right? Kind of tends back to week three. Jesus intends for us to stick together in everything we do. We are knit together into a new family when we become his children. As a church, we have community. It's kind of what we highlighted in week three. We have the Holy Spirit and we have community. But as Christians, we're put into the family, that earthly slash heavenly family of the church, the institution itself, right? It's kind of popular these days to say, I'm done with the church, but I'm not done with Jesus. Well, hang on. Don't leave a church without a really, really good reason, right? A really, really good reason. Jesus intends for us to be stuck together to do all of life with the church family that he gave us, with the church family that he gave us. Not that we get to go shopping and pick one that serves our needs the best. And There's all, <laughs> there's all kinds of ways I can get off and, and bother different ones of us. But the point is, you're made to be together. You're made to be stuck together and not to break apart. So that someone who experiences and sees angels and someone else who grew up thinking that, you know, everything, like, uh, like Kathy shared in week three, everything is either a mental illness or a demon. And focusing too much on what you're going to say, you know, scientifically about what was wrong. That these people get to be brother and sister and they get to, like, pass the plate. Like, literally pass the communion plate, but also eat food together and do life together. These people who are so different from each other are knit together. We're not intended to do this on our own. And I'll just end with the, uh, the last teaching of Jesus that I want to highlight for this sermon, is that Jesus purposely set up his church at the gates of hell. So in Matthew 16, we have, uh, Jesus, or we have Peter declaring that Jesus is the Son of God, right? And there's, there's a lot going on in that passage, and I'm, I'm not even going to read it. But Jesus took his disciples to a city called Caesarea Philippi in the northern part of Israel at the foot of a mountain. Okay, the mountain was called Mount Hermon, and it was a very famous place for temples and worshiping all kinds of gods. And at the foot of this mountain, there was a temple and um, the rock. You can see the ruins of this city today. The rocks are kind of open up, and it looks like if I had to imagine the gates of hell, that's what I would picture, right? That the gates of hell are here. That's where all of the enemies of God are, like the serpent, the, the enemy of God from the beginning of the Bible is there. That's where he was thought to live. And Jesus went to that place and he sat down with his disciples and he said, tell me who you think I am. Peter answered. And Jesus accredited that to the spirit, telling him, here's what you, you know, yeah, you're right. And that wasn't something you made up. That was something told to you. That's what I tell you, Jesus said, you are Peter, and on this rock, 
I will set up my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's lots of interpretations about that. I think the one that's the best is that Jesus was talking about the rock that he was standing on, the gate of hell that he was standing at, right? He was one foot away from the casino in Las Vegas, and he said, I'm going to start a church right here. Or I'm going to start an anti-gambling league right here, you know. He went to the worst of the worst place that he could possibly think of where enemies of God had been worshipped for thousands of years. For thousands of years, enemies of God were worshipped here. And he went there in his short little life and in his little teaching, three years of teaching, he said, I'm going to set up my church right here. It's not going to have any power to push back against it. It's not going to have any power to overcome it. It's not going to have any power to dispel this institution that I start. What is most believable about all, most unbelievable about all this is that Jesus has the authority to claim it, right? Jesus, 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 Jesus. In him, all things hold together. In him, all things move and have our being. In him, we are. There is no such thing as a lone wolf Christian, right? You were made for community and Christian experience cannot be understood without community. So this area of spiritual warfare that we've been talking about, thinking about, and the, uh, the woo-woo stuff, if I can say that. Lisa, tell me. I don't see Lisa, but tell me if that's okay to say. All of that stuff, don't go alone. Right? If you are on the side of Jesus, he's with you. He'll take care of you. And he set up a really good way to make sure that you don't get overwhelmed or something. He gave you people like Lisa, like Megan, like Pastor Chase, and others in our community who see and discern and feel these sorts of things, don't ignore them. Use what the Lord gave you. And give, the Lord, give to these people and to the Lord what he gave you to do. That's kind of the whole point, right? All that to say, the spiritual forces that are not of God have no standing against Christ. And with that, I'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we wake up today and we were so amazed that you love us. We're so amazed that we get the chance to give you glory. That we get the chance to see the things in the world that you taught us to see. That you gave us eyes to hear, eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, thank you for opening us up to what you're doing in the world. As we go at the end of this formal sermon series, but at the beginning of our mutual shared experience together, would you guide us? Would we not fall off one side or the other? Would we always be listening for the Holy Spirit, watching for your will, helping people and being helped by you as you call us? Lord, would we never forget that in you, all things consist, that in you, We don't have, there's nothing that is that's without you. How would you write that on us? Would you write that everywhere so we're always thinking it, always seeing it, always being reminded that you are greater, that you are powerful, and for some reason you love us. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.